Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. We are back. I hope you have been enjoying this series, the Road to Repair series. We've been talking about how we are body, soul, and spirit. All three of those are affected with the death of our child. We need to address them separately, and yet they're also intertwined. So last week, we started talking about our spiritual breakdown, and I had a few things that I wanted to add to that this week. With what I can see... There are three really big areas that need to be dealt with when it comes to our shattered spiritual walk, when we're struggling with our relationship with God in all of this after the death of our child. One of them is our identity, because we lose the truth about who we are, and we have to fight to get it back. Another one is trust. We don't know if we can trust God anymore after he allowed such a horrible thing to happen to us. And the last one is forgiveness. Now, this is huge, the whole piece about forgiveness. I have a book, When Tragedy Strikes, and I refer to it as the foundation, the foundation of forgiveness, because if we don't start there, anything else that we try to do is prone to crumbling. It's like building on a sinkhole. And I'm not going to go into this in depth. And as a matter of fact, when I first started this Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast, The entire first podcast series was on this subject of forgiveness. We talked about the need to forgive others, the need to forgive ourselves, the need to forgive God, the need to forgive our child for dying and leaving us, the need to forgive maybe someone who's not grieving the same way we are. There are so many people we need to forgive. Maybe the person who caused the death of our child directly or indirectly, that's a huge one. We can be so full of unforgiveness that it can be paralyzing. And so that is an issue that we need to deal with. And it's it's a process. Let me just say that. Forgiveness is a process. It's not something that we can just say, oh, I forgive you. And that whole forgive and forget thing, yeah, right, doesn't work. doesn't happen that way. It's a process. And in that first podcast series, each group or person that that we may need to forgive, I actually give a prayer that we can say out loud to help us with that, to work through that process of forgiveness. And I know especially if you are still living in that, it's hard to forgive when you're still living in the middle of it. For instance, like if your child was murdered and you're in the middle of the trial or whatever, being in the middle of that or having someone that's not grieving the same way you do, or they're saying hurtful things, and it's a continuing thing. That forgiveness, it's so hard anyway, but when you're still in the middle of it, and it's still like in your face, it's even harder. And it is a process, and I understand that. God understands that. And we have to get to the point where we're out of the darkness enough, and we're starting to work our way through the anger, that we can even begin the process of forgiveness. It's okay if you're struggling in this area, because I think all of us do, all of us do. I just want to encourage you to tackle that issue, tackle the issue of forgiveness. You need to do this because it is a foundation and it will help you 
in your spiritual walk. It will help you be able to grab hold of the other things that you need to grab hold of, the identity and the trust and the other things that will help our relationship with God and help us get back on track with being able to lean on him, being able to trust him again, all of those things. If we're holding on to forgiveness and bitterness, it will destroy us. It's toxic. It doesn't hurt the other person. It hurts us. Forgiveness is a gift that you need to give to yourself. It's not for the other person. It's for you. It's to set you free because when you are hanging on to unforgiveness, you are keeping yourself chained and bound to that person. And why do you want to do that? Why do, you, why do you want to stay attached to that person that, that has hurt you so deeply? So unforgiveness is just so important to our spiritual walk. Until you get to the point where you can start the process of forgiveness, it's going to continue to be a struggle. And there's still going to be a lot, a lot of darkness in your life. So I encourage you to go back to those first, I believe it's eight episodes, the first eight podcasts of this and listen to those and allow those to help you start the process of forgiveness is this if that's an area that you're struggling in i believe that forgiveness is one of the first steps to getting out of this pit that we're in and it's not based on our feelings either i need to say that it's not based on our feelings it's a choice that we make unforgiveness is toxic to every part of our being. It's toxic to our body and our soul and our spirit. And when it comes to the death of our child, including the circumstances around it, the domino effects it may cause, the ripple effect, other things that have happened in our lives because of the death of our child, we can discover we don't have what it takes within ourselves to forgive and to get this poison out of us. But God already knows that, and he's made a way for us to be able to forgive in his strength. And it's a strength that's way beyond our own. But we have to cry out to him for it. We have to ask him for the strength and the help to help us even want to forgive, right? But there can be a huge problem with this because I can't trust someone if I believe they caused something negative and painful in my life. In other words, if you feel like God was the cause of your pain in the death of your child, then how are you going to be able to go to him and ask him to help you to forgive, right? Because you can't trust him. You, you think it's his fault. You're blaming him. And if you're blaming God for what happened to your son or your daughter, you're going to have an extremely difficult time getting through this darkness and out of this pit and back into a place of hope and light. So let's go ahead and tackle that subject of trust. If forgiveness is the foundation, then trust is the cornerstone of repairing and rebuilding our lives. It determines how everything else is going to fit into its place. And it's a hard one because I can't teach you how to trust someone. Last week, I, I kind of hit hard on the question why, because sometimes we think we can't trust someone unless we know the why. Why did you do that? Since I'm a child of God, I often use my own experiences as a parent to help me understand my Heavenly Father. And the question I have to ask myself is, are there times that I need my children to trust me without giving them an explanation? Of course. Are there lots of reasons I might not tell them why? Yeah. And I know there are times my children have asked why or why not. Like I said last week, not because they really want to know, but because they want to argue against my reason, whatever that reason is. 
and we can have the same attitude with God. If he told us why, it wouldn't be good enough reason for that moment in our intense pain and darkness. And we just want to argue with him on how wrong he was to do this to us. So to get through this, to be able to live again, we can't lean on our own understanding because understanding will never bring us peace. We want to understand God. We want to understand why God allowed this in our lives. But understanding is not going to bring us peace. It's not going to bring our child back, right? That's why we're told to trust in God and to lean into him and not in our own understanding. For some reason, we think if we can figure things out, we can be in control. But the relief we feel from that doesn't last very long because soon there's something else we're trying to make sense of. I've heard it said that the problem is we're searching for mastery instead of seeking the master himself. Now, I want to tell you, for me, journaling played a huge part in this for me. I would write my thoughts down. I'd write my questions down to God. And then I would write down what I heard God replying to me. It's amazing when you do that. You should try it if you've not done that. Get a journal. Get a notebook. Start writing how you feel. Start asking God questions. And then sit and wait. And you're going to start hearing an answer. Just start writing what you hear. And then go back and read what you wrote. And I'll bet you'll think there's no way there's at that had to have been God because there's no way I would have come up with that answer. There's no way I would have told myself that. And you will find that God will begin speaking to you through your journaling. And it was such a comfort to me that God would let me know that it was okay to be confused and hurt and lost and broken. He would tell me that I would find myself writing those kinds of things in answers to my question. He spoke to me that it was okay that I was blindsided because of my faith. I, I had so much faith that God was either going to heal Rebecca by miraculously creating a new heart in her, or she was going to get to the place of getting a heart transplant. I really believed that. And so I was blindsided when she died, as sick as she was. And he spoke to me in my journaling that he reminded me that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And my faith brought him pleasure. Wow. This is something I would have never known if I had insisted on my own understanding and not looked to God for his. I gave God pleasure by the faith I had in him. When Becca got married and got pregnant, it escalated her heart issues, and she was given a 50-50 chance of surviving the labor and delivery. And I found myself crying in my husband Dave's arms, and I, I, I was crying, and I said, I don't know why I'm crying, because I know, I know that I know that I trust God with Becca's life. And he said, it's because we don't know which direction we're going to have to trust him for. And that was it. That was it exactly, to get to the point where we trust him, no matter which direction it goes, God, I'm going to trust you that you see the big picture, and you can see what I can't see, and you know what I don't know, and as your child, I'm going to trust you, and obviously in this pain, there's something about you that I don't understand, there's something about the big picture that I can't see, but I'm going to trust that you see it, and that you are doing what is right in the big picture of eternity for all of us. And someday I'm going to see that. So back to the journaling, it kept bringing me to new levels of peace and freedom in my pain and my brokenness. Our faith brings God pleasure. 
For me personally, because of other things God has faithfully brought me through, I was able to make the choice not to change my thoughts and beliefs on who God is just because I didn't get a prayer answered the way I wanted him to, no matter how painful that answer was. I wasn't expecting Becca to die, but I've put my children in his hands, and that's what he chose to allow on this earth. In all of our ways, we have to acknowledge the truth that God is always good, whether we agree with his decisions or not. If he's not good, he's not God. And just because I don't understand why he didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted him to, and just because it caused me so much intense pain and darkness, does not mean that he's not good. It's just that I can't see that goodness in this situation yet yet. But we will get to a point where we can begin to see his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives if we make the choice to go through the process of forgiveness and going through the choice of saying, I'm going to trust you, God, just like Job did. Even if you slay me, God, I will trust you. No matter what happens, even though I can't see, even though I don't understand I'm going to trust you because you're God and I'm not. And I can't get through this without you. In order to change your feelings about this, you have to change your perspective. I talked about perspective last week a lot. Choose to trust his love for you, even when you can't see it or feel it. He proved it. He proved his love for you when Jesus came and died a horrible, horrible, painful death so that we could have life in heaven with him, with our children beyond this life. And he also did it so that we could have freedom here. We could be rid of the chains that keep us bound into the darkness. And it can happen. It is a process. Every step on our life journey is actually a step of trust. We either trust others, we trust in ourselves, or we trust in God. And some of you may think, well, I trusted in God and look where it got me. I think if that really is our attitude, we really are trusting in ourselves more than we are God. If I were God, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I know. And I'm glad that neither of us is God. Just remember, he has that eternal perspective. We are so limited. And I know the pain is so intense. And I know the darkness is so intense which makes it even more so that we have to trust him in the darkness. It's not a matter of choosing to fall apart or choosing to lean on God. I lean on God while I fall apart. I have to. He's not my crutch. He's my wheelchair. I said that last week. Once you've made a decision to trust God, then you can get specific about the areas where you need his help. And from that place of trust... Begin to talk to him and tell him exactly what you need in your place of grief and pain. He wants to hear from you. He wants to help you through this dark place. I want to remind you of a scripture verse. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Man, do we need it now, don't we? And you can't make good on this verse if you refuse to forgive him or to trust him. Let's move on to identity. We have to ask ourselves, am I a victim or am I a victor? 
as a parent, especially a mom, that can become our identity. And that's why the empty nest is so difficult. When all of our children are finally gone, it's like, who am I now? I, I'm, I'm still mom, but I don't have kids at home to mother. Although I have to laugh with a lot of my friends, nobody tells you it really never ends. You may have an empty nest at home, <laughs> and some of us don't, but it's like parenting never ends. It just doesn't. But when our child dies, then that becomes our identity. I'm the mother of a child who died. And I, I remember for a long time, it's like when I would meet someone new, I'd want, I would want to shake their hand and say, hi, I'm Laura. My daughter died. I, it just felt like that's who I was. I wanted everybody. That was my identity. I read a question once, how can you tell when you're turning that corner and things are starting to get better? And the answer that I read was when you can introduce yourself without adding the urge to add, and my daughter died after your name. So I'm not the only one that felt that way. But we all need to stop playing the victim card at some point. This is actually what could be called self-pity. Now, I'm not saying that if you're in that deep, dark place of grief, especially the beginning, when I say the beginning, I'm talking two, three years, okay? We can choose to start playing the victim card, and it begins turning into self-pity, and it will send you even deeper into the pit that you found yourself thrown into. You have to get to the point where you want out more than you want to stay there. No longer wanting the death of your child to be the identity of who you are. You have to want to see the light of hope. The only way out is to change your identity, and nobody else can do that for you. And the first part of it is to admit that's where you are, and that you're there because you choose to be there. And I'm not saying you, cho you chose to be a parent who lost your child. But I'm saying that if your identity has become being a parent who's lost your child, then you're choosing to allow it to continue, even if it's only internally to yourself. So we have to ask ourselves, am I going to choose to get my identity from the circumstance, or am I going to choose to get my identity from the truth of who I am and who I belong to? Because my true identity is a child of the Most High God. My Daddy and my King are who I choose to look up at from within that deep, dark, painful pit. Because we know the loss of our child shakes us to the very core of our being. And the grief, it's more than intense. A part of us dies when our child dies. But this isn't a place we have to camp out and stay for life. Our grief is an experience that we can go through and come out on the other side. The, the, dark, the dark suffocating part of grief I'm talking about. Releasing ourselves with God's help from allowing it no longer to be our identity. About three months after Becca's death, I was journaling in this pain and anguish that I was going through, and I received one of the most incredible personal revelations I think I've ever had. I was actually thinking about how my grief was affecting me in all three parts, body, soul, and spirit, and I found myself writing this statement. It was within my womb that she received her spirit. That's the same for you. If you're a mom, you can say it was within my womb that my child received her spirit. And as I kept writing, now here's, here's an example of as I journaled and I would write the thoughts that were coming in my mind that I believe was the Holy Spirit because we're spirit to spirit. So God's going to speak into our spirit through his spirit. So the revelation that I got is that I was carrying her spirit within me. As I carried her fetus. So in other words, when we carry our child, 
we think about the fact that we're carrying their body, we're carrying the fetus, but I had not thought about the fact that her spirit was already inside of her, which means her spirit, Becca's spirit, all five of my children, I carried their spirit inside of me, not just their body, their spirit. And so the death of Becca's body and the leaving of her spirit affected me in a way that it didn't affect anyone else because I felt that severing of the spirit, spirit to spirit when Becca died. And I think that's why a lot of times moms, we just sense something with our kids. Not always, but sometimes it's like, hmm, something just doesn't feel right about one of my kids and you just feel uneasy. Something's not right. I believe that's that spiritual connection. It's almost like a, a spiritual umbilical cord because we carried their spirit inside of us. There's a, there's a connection there. So it was like, okay, God, I need, I need to see a confirmation of this in the word. Okay, this is kind of out there. So God just showed me scripture after scripture, and I'll give them to you if you want to write them down and look it up. Samson's mother was to consecrate herself because of the child she carried. She had to take a Nazarite vow. That was Judges 13, 7. Psalm 22, 10 says, from my mother's womb, you've been my God. From the womb, right? Psalm 58.3 makes me realize it's a pure spirit that's not separated from God yet by sin, the, the child in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's spirit to spirit. Hosea 12.3, he took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength, he struggled with God. There's an interesting one. Genesis 25, I started thinking about was the fighting in Rebecca's womb a spiritual battle because it's with the spirit of these two boys fighting each other because they were carrying the spirit of two nations. Luke 1.15, John was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb, which means he had to have his own spirit for God to fill it, right? Uh, Luke 1, 41 and 44, John's spirit recognized the Son of God in Mary's womb while he was inside Elizabeth's womb. It was a baby in a womb recognizing a baby in another womb. It was his spirit inside of her that recognized the spirit of God inside of Mary so close to him. That's crazy, isn't it? Here's what I wrote in my journal that I believe God spoke to me. A mother who has nurtured or carried the spirits of her children is going to be greatly entwined in her children's spiritual lives, so greatly entwined that only I can separate them, just as my word can separate the joint and marrow and the thoughts and intents, the soul and the spirit of the heart. So when that spirit leaves this earth, as a mother who carried that child's very spirit within us, we... We feel it in our very spirits. So we have another layer of separation that we have to work through. We haven't just been separated from our child's body and soul. Their spirits have been untwined from ours and we feel lost. But that also means since we're a spirit, our child is still a spirit, our spirits are both in Christ, we're still connected. We're still connected spiritually because my spirit is connected to Christ. Becca's spirit is connected to Christ. So we're still connected. It's just a different connection. I'm not talking about psychic stuff. Our spirits can be at peace while our soul is in pain. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. The pain in our soul has taken over. And we need to get things back into right alignment so that our spirits are in charge and we learn how to walk in the peace of our spirits, knowing that we are forever connected to our child, spirit to spirit. Now, I can choose to believe there is no God and or he would have saved my child. I can choose to believe that if there is a God, he isn't good and fair or he would have saved my child. But both of these options leave me feeling angry and empty. So I've chosen a third option and I encourage you to choose this same third option. There is a God 
His thoughts or ways are so much higher than mine. He loves me with a perfect love, and even though I don't understand why he's allowed this to happen, I still trust him with my life, both here on earth and for eternity. And this option has brought me to a place of peace and rest and hope and life again, even within the pain. And you can have that too if you make the same choice. It is a choice. There is a danger to continue stiff-arming God. You possibly will never fulfill your God-given purpose to be able to hear, well done and good and faithful servant. I'm not saying you're not going to get into heaven, but what if we don't hear those words? What if what if Becca's standing next to Jesus when I get to heaven and he can't say, well done, good and faithful servant, because I decided to live the rest of my life in darkness and feeling sorry for myself and grieving Becca's death. And I didn't let God do anything with my life beyond that. Another thing that could happen if you decide to continue stiff-arming God out of your life, having no joy or color in your life, just living the rest of your life in a shell, waiting to die. And that means the enemy wins. Even though Jesus still triumphs over death, that means he won. The alternative, when you decide... I'm done being mad at God. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to remember my identities in him. I'm going to forgive him. All of these things, when we decide, I need you, God. I need you to get me through this. Here's some things that could possibly happen in your life. You're going to be able to touch others deeply with compassion. You're going to be able to bring other parents out of their darkness. You're going to be a huge testimony of God's faithfulness that can direct others to him. You might be able to reach your child's friends with the gospel. You're going to have a future that God sees and knows, a a new season. And let me say, you've paid a really high price. Don't let it be wasted. Don't let your future be wasted. Don't let your child's death be wasted and go in vain and not turn it into something that will honor the life of your child. Be an overcomer. You're going to be able to beat the devil at his own game and bring him to his knees for what he did. You're going to be able to find your purpose and destiny in life and do it better and stronger because of what you have had to overcome. You're going to become a person of laughter, maybe even joy, and yet acquainted with sorrows in a way that will allow Christ to flow through you like never before. I see a whole lot more positives in leaning into God and restoring, letting God restore the relationship. So I hope that you believe that God has the power to restore, that you believe that hope is real because God is real and he's the giver of hope. I don't usually do this, but I just really want to pray over you right now. Father God, I pray for every single person who's listening to this podcast. Lord, I pray that through the struggle, they will choose you, that they will choose to trust their lives to you again. Lord, that they would make the choice to lean on you through the darkness, to allow you to grow that seed of hope that is already inside of them. Lord, that they would choose not to remain angry at you. Lord, that they would understand how deeply they need you. Lord, I believe that's a a conflict we all go through. We may be angry and yet something inside of us tells us we need you, but we can't fathom coming back to you when we're blaming you. And Lord, just let every person who is listening to this make the choice, Lord, that they would just become weary in fighting you, Lord, 
and just come into your arms of love and let you wrap them up in your love. Lord, love on them in a way that they can feel. And Lord, help them to begin the process of restoring their relationship with you. And Lord, may it be something that goes beyond anything they ever thought it could be. Lord, thank you for taking care of our children until we can be with them again. And thank you for making a way for that to happen. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's time for our weekly birthday segment. This week, we have Matthew Sulikowski, and he was born on October 22nd and is forever 36. We also have Dustin Clements, was born on October 26th, and he is forever 21. So we celebrate with these two families the days that Matthew and Dustin came into this world. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced and celebrated on the podcast, just go to gpshope.org birthdays. You'll find a form there. Just fill it out and submit it, and I will add your child to the birthday list and announce them on the week of their birthday. After being back home in Wisconsin over the summer, Dave and I are now back on the road in the Hopemobile. That is our 38-foot motorhome that we live in full-time. If you'd like to see if we're going to be anywhere near you, you can find our itinerary on our website under the Resource tab. We would love to meet you either at one of the scheduled events if it's nearby or if there's no event but you see we're going to be close by, send us an email at office at gpshope.org because we love to meet up with parents. We have met up with lots of parents just over supper, meet at a restaurant and have dinner together, have coffee together in the morning, whatever works into your schedule. So be sure to check out our itinerary and see if we're going to be near you and then contact us so that we can get together. We love to meet parents who are connected to GPS Hope. Also, I want to let you know that we would be honored to have your child travel the nation with us. We have In Loving Memory Hearts where your child's name can be put on the heart and then we put the heart on the Hope Mobile so that your child goes with us. You can go to the website, click on the store tab, and and you'll see a tab that, that says something about the hearts. Click on that. It'll give you all the information. You get to pick out what color you want. And it is a $100 sponsorship to do that. It helps us put gas in the homemobile to be able to continue offering resources and support to grieving parents. So check that out. I'll be back next week. Dave will actually be joining me. So I hope you will join us. And until then, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.